0: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. It's up, it's up. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card,
1: right this way,
0: it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: Sexton trying to get loose. He'll fire. He, he Knocks it down! But slammed it home! Garland upstairs!
0: Oh!
1: Sexton is
0: A thunderous yeah. dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the chase down podcast, part of the Caz media family. I'm your host Justin Rowan support for this podcast and the following message comes from zoom half a million businesses connect using zoom a single platform for phone chat workspaces events apps and video zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe zoom how the world connects and connecting with me now live on zoom after a frustrating loss to the Houston Rockets is my co-host Carter Rodriguez Carter how you doing buddy.
1: I'm doing good. A frustrating loss, a fraught journey home from work and in this ridiculous snowstorm. Uh, Otherwise, what Justin Rowan calls a Tuesday. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm uh, I'm, I'm a little uh, bedraggled. Oh, my Um, goodness. Look at
0: look at you showing off with the big words.
1: And, uh, you know, I think that there's nothing better than a good mailbag to recuperate my spirits.
0: I'm I'm gonna be honest, Carter. I, I know mailbags are lazy from a content perspective. Oh, so lazy. I love them like i genuinely love it because one it's fun to connect with the audience and whatnot and also it's like just a, a forum to spew off takes and whatnot but before we get into the mailbag and thank you so much to our listeners everyone that submitted questions we will try our best to get to all of those we will also get to all-star reserves uh, as that news will break as we it, it, are it doing is this just podcast.
1: trickling they're starting with the west we got we got booker we got Doncic. it's coming justin i'm i'm the, the mad
0: already briefcases are being opened, carter but let's start off with the game against the Rockets. Uh, obviously, a, a frustrating game. You're you're already down four of your top six in your rotation. Third game in four nights. Uh, context. 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 It gets even worse when Jared Allen picks up three fouls in very, very quick succession and only plays five minutes in the first half. And when you have a situation like that, you put yourself in a hole that's pretty tough to come back in. Cavs kind of stuck around. Evan Mobley was phenomenal, uh, bouncing back from a a rougher game by his standards with a new career high. What were kind of your thoughts as you were watching that game, Carter?
1: Oh, it just felt like a game. Like, you know, it was just kind of another one where they just didn't have a lot of JU ice, you know? Like mm-hmm. like, they're, like everything just felt hard on offense. Everything felt kind of easy for Houston. They hung around, they hung around, they hung around and never could break that kind of five-point glass ceiling. Um, yeah. Mobley was awesome, but it just was one of those things where, you know, it just didn't quite feel like they ever had the game in control. Mm-hmm. Um it, it felt like the, the Rockets could generate a pretty freaking good look whenever they wanted. And the hard looks, they, 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 when they couldn't generate one, they would hit a crazy step back three. I will say, man, the talent level, the, the kids on that roster, like they, that is not an untalented group of kids, you know, no. like Jay Sean Tate is awesome. Yep. Um, Kate Kenyon Martin, uh, his kid is just yams everything in sight. Like, I'm not saying that like the Cavs should have lost the game because I really do still think they should be winning those kind of games, even with the injury luck that they're having because of, you know, the, the culture that they've established and, uh, you know, and because of the the top end talent that is still out there uh, for them, you know, and Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, that you you have a chance to win every single game. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, the Rockets are one of the worst teams in the league. I still think it's, it's probably, a it probably a should win game, but not like an embarrassment of a loss, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, it just felt like a night where they didn't have it. And just, again, you just kind of, especially with Darius out, there's just not enough juice on, on that side on, on the offensive side of the ball. And it just makes every game real sloggy. I I know we focus on the
0: offense because obviously the offense has dropped off a cliff uh, with both Lowry Markkinen and Darius Garland out of the lineup, but it does seem like there has been some slippage on the defensive end of the floor as well. Uh, Some of that in in the Detroit game, I I think they had a little bit more to do with effort. Uh, Jared Allen hasn't looked as sharp as he has at other points in the season. There, there seems to be some slippage from him. Evan Mobley's looked tired at times and, and they're just
1: as a unit, not as watertight as they've been in the past and it's one of those things where the offense does beget you know the great sasha pavlovich you took once said my point you bastard i was going to ask if this a was good a good concern yeah our offense is our de- is our, our our best defense and like mm-hmm. you know like to some extent not turning the ball up like there's nothing better for the Cavs than defending after a made bucket yeah. because their transition defense which is still a thing is just okay you know it wasn't the tire fire it was at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. uh, but i don't think it's the strength of the team like this team lives and breathes having that just set shell of a defense where just ah oh, it's just constant like probe there's a tall dude probe there's a tall dude probe there's a tall dude And, you know, like when, when you're taking the ball out of, after misses and able to push in transition, get weird mismatches. And I thought the Rockets did a really nice job of that. Um, so Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, I'm not, I don't disagree with you, man. I think, I I think this is one spot where that the defense can be explained by the offense.
0: I, I think it's an explanation. I, I have mild concerns with it. Um I, I will need to see how it looks like when they have their full roster because I, I mean when you're not scoring even from just kind of a morale standpoint, it's tougher to really be bought in when, when you're yeah. trailing and whatnot. Like the, Basketball is a game of runs and, and momentum within a game is significant. So uh, I, I definitely think the fact that they're not humming on the offensive end, of the floor does probably contribute to the defense. I think some of it has been effort uh, where there's been some slippage there uh, from some of the players individually. And some of it might be fatigue. I mean, we are getting to that time of the season. And I, I would describe, so Darius Garland will be out uh, against Charlotte, as will Larry Markkinen. Uh They continue, I, I guess the fact that they're traveling with the team kind of implies that it's day to day. The reporting with Garland ha- has mostly been, hey, this is trying to nip this in the bud. It's not something that's uh, super serious and whatnot, but they're just trying to get him right for the rest of the season. I, I'm still... I'm not all the way to concerned with it yet, uh, but I, I am disappointed because you know the, this was a really great opportunity, and, and the Cavs are still in really good position to get a high seed in the Eastern Conference. But when you're giving away games where you can say pretty confidently that you'd be winning this if Garland was in the
1: lineup, that's frustrating. Uh, we we it's are just, at that- It's just disappointing. I don't even know if frustrating is the right word. Like, I mean, again, like you want you want these guys to be able to win without Garland, but given the predicaments of, of, of the roster around Garland, it's just like, it's just like, it's a bummer. It's annoying. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, God, you know, someone, someone uh, tweeted at me, and he deleted the tweet. So I must've, I probably shouldn't have quote tweeted him. I shamed him, but he tweeted like, Oh, this, you know, this team uh, is, is a lottery team without Garland. We still got a long way to go in the rebuild. And I'm like, I guess if you're saying that the team's a lottery team, if they don't have Darius Garland and the other two best ball handlers on the team are also out for the season, um I guess it's not that's not saying as much as you think it's four it's four out of the
0: top six right it's four out of the top six of their opening night rotation and I I think if this was like Brandon Goodwin uh Colin Sexton Dean Wade Mobley and Allen you'd be better in a much better position if Ricky Rubio was available you'd be in a much better position this this is also the time of the year where just everybody is tired that's why the all-star break is positioned in the way that it is you you look up and down kind of the schedule last night even and you have Philadelphia losing to Washington without Bradley Beal. Uh, you you have uh, Dallas losing to OKC. Brooklyn losing to Sacramento. Like, this does happen at this time of year. Uh, Utah beating Denver. I, I know Jokic didn't play, but neither did Mitchell and Gobert. Like, there, there's a, so many guys that are out because they, they get nicked up, and you don't want guys doing further damage to to their their bodies in kind of meaningless games at this time of year and not that these games are necessarily meaningless but when I look at the cast schedule if you have an opportunity to get Garland right in this stretch where I I don't think when when, so he got hurt against Golden State and i think the games against sacramento and utah he looked clearly physically limited uh it just wasn't right and it got better from there he won player of the week he's been putting up all these great stat lines but this has been just kind of a nagging injury i think at this point y- even though it's not getting worse with him playing you want to rest him uh get him better for the stretch run because what's i don't really want this dude clutching
1: his back in game
0: two of round one Right, and and what's really going to matter from a scheduling standpoint is four games against Philadelphia, two games against Chicago, game against Miami, game against Brooklyn, game against Milwaukee. Those are the games that are really, really going to matter. And if resting Garland against these teams gives us a better shot in those games, if it means that he is in a better position physically to compete for the remaining 30 games, you'll keep in mind that there's 30 games left in the season. It is a marathon, not a sprint as frustrating as it is for me in the moment as much as i want to win these games as much as i got accustomed to winning with the way that they've been playing i, I at least see the logic in it right like you, you yeah, don't want to wear is, the logic is
1: the logic is it's in, in unquestionable you know mm-hmm. like i i think it would be uh, indicative of the team that people used to feel like this organization was if they just said oh I just go play we, vibes are good can't mess up the vibes Got to got got to be got to go three and zero on the Detroit, New Orleans, Houston swing, and you know to some extent, like that is why it's frustrating because like this is the easiest part of their schedule, and you want them. It looked like to, such to have clear nice, wins. It looked like you want such you clear want wins. them to have the buffer before they go play that that those games against those other fellow contenders. You want them to win the games that they're supposed to. So when they if if they struggle a little bit against these better teams, which that's what you do when you play better teams, it's harder to win. Yeah. You know, you want that buffer. Like there was a world in which they left this, you know, six game stretch, um, you know, in the one seed. Yeah, and it's very possible. Look, those now. teams are
0: losing. Philly's losing. Miami's losing. Like All these teams around them are dropping, which is great because the Cavs aren't really losing position. They're still two games back on the number one seed. But it was also a prime opportunity. If you don't lose these two games against Houston and Detroit, two of the worst teams in the league, you probably would be in the one seed right now
1: or, or close to it. The East. The East reserves are currently being named. Jimmy Butler is the first one that I see on on my YouTube TV, and I think we just need to react together as as the names. See, come I, th- I thought they the were way. all out, and you were you were telling me
0: in, in real time whether or not these guys made it. i if not yet. Not yet. Jimmy Is hitched. my
1: first one Carter before the, the oh, game guess all- who's been named an NBA All Star Darius out. Garland. Yes. <laughs>
0: I was just about to say I have emotionally hedged with Garland because here, Oh, get the man to the land here. I, I love this, Carter. I absolutely love it. Well deserved for Darius Garland. I was going to emotionally hedge and say, you know what? This team, they got an underdog mentality. They need a slight Garland gets to rest on All-Star Weekend. Now I have completely changed my mind, Carter. I'm, I'm ecstatic. I'm thrilled. Garland didn't play an opening weekend. I'm actually going to see Darius Garland play live in Cleveland. For the first time since basically like week two of his career, that that was the last time I actually got to see Garland play live. So I, I'm pretty excited about this, and I assume the Jared out.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, I'm still waiting on on Jared. I have not seen Jared yet. Looks like the first two are just Jimmy and and, uh, and Darius. They're they're dragging this out. I love um, that. But while while we're waiting, James Harden's the next one. While we're dragging it out, let's talk about Darius because this was a guy that. You know, a lot of people seem to be leaving off. He was kind of their last cut. You know, you listen to a Zach Lowe pod, pod, you listen to, you read Dan Devine on The Ringer. And he was like the one that everyone hated to leave off. And I'll tell you what, as much as you emotionally hedged, I did the exact opposite. I was like, if I know- You were preemptively mad. You were preemptively mad. I was was preparing to be mad, but I also thought he was getting in. And I think the reason is because I know how coaches work. And, like, I feel like the coaches are the ones who are selecting these guys. And, ultimately, they're the kind of people who value winning above above everything else. And these are dudes who have all coached against Darius Garland this season. They know who the most impactful player on the team. They know who they built their game plan around. Yes, one hundred percent. So, like as, as as much as you know, some of these teams that are are objectively worse than the Cavs have some players who might have some better counting stats. I just thought the coaches were going to recognize the winning, recognize the leadership, and also recognize the fact that this game's in Cleveland, man. I think the Cavs <laughs> got two All Stars. We're still waiting. Zach Levine is the next was the next call. They looks like they're going guards to Bigs. I, I I
0: thought you made the perfect point last night, Carter. Which is the case for Garland is really simple. The best player on the team with the best net rating in the Eastern Conference probably deserves to be an all-star. It's that simple. And and, and I, I do think, like, as much as I want to spew Garland propaganda, as I've been doing over the last three years, I do think, like, when you look at the Cavs and how they're playing right now, as convenient for that argument as it would be to attribute that all to Garland, it's the totality of all the injuries that they've had. It's the the wear and tear that these guys have played with and whatnot. I thought that I actually liked the decision to start both Jetty Osmond and Brandon Goodwin. I thought that those guys showed some chemistry in the, the Pelicans game. And that Dean Wade as a small 4 doesn't work as well if you don't have the creation of Darius Garland. Like it, he's not somebody that is like a Duncan Robinson come off screens type shooter and whatnot, although he is capable of hitting some more difficult shots. And you needed that secondary creation of Jetty. So uh, as much as I want to attribute the the Cavs not playing well right now, strictly to Garland, you got to factor in everything else. Because even Larry Markkinen, like that is a major, major part of the Cavs offense. And we have seen consistently throughout the season that this offense is not as potent without Larry Markkinen in the lineup.
1: Yeah, I, I totally I totally hear you, man. By the way, just an update for the squad. Uh, Zach Levine, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, our our friend Josh Paloha in the chat just said seems like they're going alphabetically, which means if that is the case, we might be without our second all star. If that we'll, is we'll, the case, we'll wait and see. But if I that think... is
0: the case, I, I would assume that Jared Allen has the best chance to make it as an injury replacement because Kevin Durant will be missing. And if they need to put a front court player in there, they they I, I think in terms of starters, they'll put the next highest vote getter. Uh, assuming Fred, Fred that they were on the from... is the final All Star reserve. So Jared did not make it. I think he's going to make it as an injury replacement. Um, I'm very surprised, just given kind of the the front court. Uh, how shallow the the front court depth is in the Eastern Conference. Uh, yeah, Chris in the Soul Middleton's stories.
1: about to be playing backup center. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Wait, Chris Middleton made it. Chris Middleton made it. He's having a coasting year.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, I, I mean, fine. Whatever. Like he's on my fantasy team. I know that he's not playing that well this year. Like he's playing well. Like relative to other NBA players, but he's not playing at a like super high level by his standards. Chris Middleton's a hell of a player. He's he's 100% feeling the Olympics still and coasting until the playoffs because that's all that matters for that Milwaukee team. I I don't have any skepticism about them at this point. Uh, That team is really, really good. Whatever. I'm confident Jared Allen will make it in as an injury replacement. If not hell will yeah, be who, raised who
1: are the people that are i forget who's who's starting kevin is kevin maybe the, the only one. one who is confirmed at this point i think that, okay that would be out. i mean he's got to be pretty darn close i mean the other the other potential candidates who are are who brad beal um uh jay, jay jaylen brown i mean like there are some folks, boston but doesn't do... deserve more than one they barely no, deserve they one they do not <laughs> they barely deserve one man like, I'm come not on. sure they deserve one, but that's all right, Carter. I got to say, I let, let's, let's call it what it is though. Like if the Cavs are a a conspiracy, a guy a conspiracy and, against well, the Cavs. That's what this is, Carter.
0: <laughs> well, that seems right. Let's, let's um, go full Raptors fans with this and just blame the league league conspiracy. You know what? If Jared Allen doesn't get named as a replacement and injury replacement, then we really go there because it's Adam Silver that makes that pick. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And, you're right. And he, Ball he tried, to, guy, he tried to bring the Cavs down with that schedule. Cavs amazingly do not have a road game against a Western Conference team for the rest of the season. They're done. They, they've played them all, which is unbelievable at this point. Wait, but wait, say it again. They have played every single road game against a Western Conference team that they will play this year. They have none Whoa. left. That's crazy. Yeah, they, they went nine and six. Nine and six against the West on the road this year. So anytime they play a Western conference team from here on out, it's going to be at home. Unbelievable. That
1: is, that is news to me, man. I don't know. Let, let's talk about Garland just a little bit more before. Uh, I we, want to get to the we mailbag. We got so many no, questions. Buddy, buddy, We gotta, we, we gotta just talk about how right, Go ahead. Like, I, I just think this is such such validation for him. I think. Oh, I, I thought think you were going load... to say for me. I was gonna agree. I'm like, yeah, this is absolutely <laughs> it, validation This it Also card. validating for this you, is my Justin. hard work paying off right here. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I just think, like, this is uh, this is kind of the welcome. He's a great all-star type of player. Like, I think he's going to do some ridiculous dribble moves, some ridiculous pull-up threes, some crazy lobs. Um, and I think, like, I think that it is representative of how he's viewed around the league. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, so, I completely agree. I mean, there's a reason that he was selected to Team USA. Like, before kind of the, the individual accolades on the, uh, the star numbers and all that kind of stuff was there, He was selected for a reason. And uh, I I think the potential was there. Um, Some people put more stock into the flashes than others. But those flashes became more and more consistent until it became a new baseline. Even when even like uh, even when he's playing with a bad back, he goes out there and gets player of the week which is still part of the reason why I'm not too concerned because it's not like he was really looking that physically limited like you could tell it was bothering him a little bit but the back strains are a funny thing you get a rest for a week or whatever uh, you get your massage you get your stretching and hopefully it'll be better down the stretch run because obviously Garland is a major part of what this team is doing uh you would hope That uh, a week from today, when the trade deadline has passed, that there will be more supplemental playmaking that'll make things easier for him. Uh, Hopefully he won't have to carry the team in the same way that he has to this point. So, uh, you you know, it's exciting. I love that Garland is going to be an all-star. I wish the all-star jerseys were a little nicer this year so I I could go out and get one and and showboat. But
1: you know what? You can't win them all. You can't win them all, Carter. And you know what, Justin? We're going to see Darius. I love it. In person it. at the game, it's going to be awesome. You love to see it. I'm you so love to see glad. it. And Let's get, get to right. the mailbag, though, Carter. Yeah. Let's open it up, Josh.
0: We got so many good questions. Uh, we're we're not skipping any of these. So I want I combine these two questions into one, and I think this is the right place to start. Taylor asks, "Why do they lose and make me sad?" And Tom Wamsgams asked, "Not not really, Tom, but you know, ask, can you stop the pain? You can't." You know what? And I, I'm I'm actually happy because you know what? I love that we are at a point where we have expectations for the Cavs. And you know what? It's the pain of the losses. It's the pain of missing guys out of the rotation that shows that you are once again invested in the Cleveland Cavaliers. And it drives me nuts. I hate losing. Um. I wish that they were winning these games. I wish Garland, Lowry, Sexton, Rubio were all available. But you know what? you can't stop the pain because the pain
1: is what gives you that proper context for when the joy comes baby. Yeah. It's just one of those things where now you got every season for that I've ever watched has, has a stretch where it's just like, ugh, like this just is, this is not the team that I, I know and love and, you know, even with the injuries, I think there have been some slogginess. I think they're a team that's ready for the all-star break. I think they're a team that knows the cavalry is probably coming in the form of a trade mm-hmm. uh, for, for some extra ball handling help. And, you know, this is just a thing where you got to have you got to ride it out. Um, And, and uh, you know, I really do think like Darius will be back soon and all will feel right again with the world. I sure hope so. <laughs> I
0: mean, fingers crossed. If it's too much longer, then I will get to concern. But Old Painless asks, if Garland's back injury at such a young age is a concern, I would say like the to me age doesn't really have anything to do with it. You can have strains playing basketball at any age. If it was maybe some if it was something structurally wrong with his back, like you you know a, a disc issue, something like what Draymond Green is dealing with, that would be cause for concern because then that's kind of like a medical red flag. Uh, a strain that's been a nagging injury And as I said, it looked like he was getting better physically with rest. Even that Detroit game, he started off looking a little more spry. But you could tell after the three days off, it was still a little bit of a nagging injury. He was still explosive. He was hitting his shots. Uh, The the three-point jumper had come back and he was making progress. But when you have a strain, it's just not going to get better by playing basketball three times a week. And no, and, no. And, and for me, that that's why I'm not a concerned yet. I reserve the right to become concerned depending on how long this drags out. But given the fact that it is just a mild strain and not something structural at this point, I am not concerned.
1: Nope. Uh, I would be concerned if it was a consistent injury that's popped up two to three times. I'd be concerned if he had a surgery on his back. I would be yeah. concerned if there were something structural. Um, but a strain is a strain is a strain. And sometimes you just got to rest those out. I think, I I think we can probably move on on this one. Love a good strain, Carter. Sarah asked, do "Do you
0: think... (laughs) Hey, relative to a, an injury or something structural, absolutely. You know, given how this season has gone with injuries, I will absolutely take a strain because it is much, much better. Sarah asks, do you think Lowry could end up becoming the long-term three for this team? Everyone assumes that he'll eventually be moved to the bench as a backup four, but the team seems to lose their identity when he isn't starting. Mobley and Allen seem less effective when he isn't starting, and she feels like this he may be the secret ingredient to the tall ball success – Uh, To add some stats to this and uh, kind of strengthen her point, Mobley and Allen with Larry and on the floor, 109.9 offensive rating, 101 defensive rating, 8.9 net. Without him, it is a 102.2 offensive rating, 100.9 defensive rating, and only 1.2 net. So dramatically worse offensively. And while they're still a positive together, you can tell there is a statistical difference when Larry Markin is on the floor.
1: Yeah. Um, I I guess, um, I think he's the three till they have a better, (laughs) better option at the three, you know, like, like I, I think that there are some weaknesses in that, in that, uh, lineup configuration that will reveal themselves against the best teams in the league Mm -hmm. when it, when it really matters. Um, but, you know, like, I think they'll have to have a real reason to upgrade him. Like, yeah. I'm not looking to replace Lowry with... Like, let's say I'm just going to pick a random starting three out of a hat. Like, Robert Covington. Mm-hmm. That dude plays a lot of three. I'm not, like, in a hurry to bench Lowry for, for Bob I think he's better. No.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with that. And, and to me... So one of the things when it comes to team building whether it's through the draft free agency trades is you don't have full control of what talent's available to you right like you try to maximize what how you try to maximize the amount of talent that you're bringing in and hope that it can fit together and and sometimes you have to prioritize fit and whatnot right now like i I think when the Cavs are looking to make a, a significant upgrade for the long term at either the shooting guard or small forward position like, if that upgrade came at the shooting guard, where you get a really dynamic, big shooting guard that can create for himself, can create for others, then I think Lowry at the three could remain viable. But If the player that becomes available on the market is like a Brandon Ingram or uh, another young small forward, obviously you would move on from Lowry because I, I think what Lowry is bringing is that spacing, right? It's the threat off ball, the gravity that he has when he's running off screens and whatnot, and that can be replicated with other players. But just because it can be replicated with other players doesn't mean, okay, you can just go with whatever generic small forward and it'll automatically be fine. I think Lowry has actually done a very good job this year. even when the shot isn't falling so i wouldn't rule out him being the long-term three although my personal opinion would be that it's not
1: particularly likely i think if he's the long-term three there's probably a ceiling on what they can do it depends. At, you know, depends what happens at the two. Depends what happens at yeah, the two. There's like, there's so many variables. Does just, Isaac I, Okoro be become Jimmy
0: Butler or Jalen Brown? That changes things. Does Colin Sexton come back, regain his old form, and build upon that? That would change things. And, and I could see Lowry working there, right? Like, there, there's so many unknowns, and and you have to make those decisions and, and roster adjustments based on the internal growth that you have. But. I, Personally, I'd be skeptical. I, I mean, it's my opinion on Lowry at the three has changed since the beginning of the season, uh, based on his play. But just long term, I, I would be,
1: I, I would anticipate that changing up. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, uh, I think we could, I think we should move on. I actually want to go to the, to the, uh, to the YouTube chat to reward our live, yeah. our live yeah, listeners. BroBot asks, it's starting to become pretty clear that Mobley, Allen, and Garland is the core of our future. Mm-hmm. you could choose to add any player to that core, who would you pick? Like, period? Like, I a... think we should pick a player that actually, like Luka Doncic or Giannis, I don't think should be qualif- qualified. Because I'm going to keep going back to Ingram. Yeah, and... I was going to say Ingram, too. Yeah, like, it is like <laughs> that, that
0: guy is built in a lab for the small forward position on the Cavs, a six ten yep. wing that can create his own shot. That's a good passer. He's been playing better defense lately. Like the Pelicans have actually been relevant here now that they, they start to get a little healthier in large part because of his play, the growth he's shown as a leader. And also from a cultural fit standpoint, like he, he's kind of like a, a small down mentality kind of guy, right? Where I, I can see him fitting in really well with this group. So um, I, I, He would definitely be probably at the top of my list, although this does actually tie in to one of our our questions that we received on whether or not we should hold out hope for like a, a Brandon Ingram type or if it's yeah, it was Dustin who asked. Is there a realistic pathway to acquire brandon ingram at the deadline or is it time to give up and move on to less exciting options there is not a realistic path if brandon ingram was on the trade market there would be rumors about that they would be trying to create a bidding war through the media i cannot see that guy being available i don't see why new orleans would want to trade him that is to me a, a fever dream and uh, as much as the calves move in silence in the past on the trade market i, I can't see him being available
1: I especially my mind. uh, Especially with a GM like Griff, who has always been very comfortable with the media, very smart about how he plays the media. Like I just would be surprised if he if he didn't canvass the league for the best offer on Brandon Ingram publicly. Um so like yeah, I I don't think it's happening at the deadline. But like I will say this would and maybe this is a more interesting answer. I certainly am going to be very, very careful about making a move that affects my ability to get an Ingram-style player. Mm. You know that's why you don't want to maybe give up a first for that Eric Gordon deal, um, or you better be sure that Karis Levert can be turned into you know more value later and isn't going to be a negative asset. Uh, you know when you trade for him, and I'm pretty sure that's not the case. But I'm just saying those are the kinds of think the things you got to think about. Is this team could especially right now they have one bona fide super duper star, one st- player who seems like or you know future super duper star in Evan Mobley. I think Mobley's the only guy on the team that's like maybe top five in the league potential at mm-hmm. least in in terms of public sentiment. Garland's up there as well. Um, You know, and I think they they probably could use that fourth like lock, lock member of their core. Uh, And I think they should really, you know, make sure they're not, you know, not burning their chance to go get one by making short term moves. So Mm -hmm. did did you listen to
0: uh, today's low post? I did not. Okay, so Zach Lowe, um, they were talking about basically the the trade market in Eastern Conference, and it actually made me feel a little bit better because Lowe was talking about how the Cavs are one of the most aggressive teams right now on the trade market. Uh, You'd like to hear that uh, from someone that, you know, is very plugged in, that does the reporting that we rely on with this podcast for for context and whatnot. But the thing he added is they are being aggressive without being reckless. And they're not moving off of any core assets unless it's a player that can be part of their core for the next three, four years that would actually go along with the core. So to me, what that says is when you look at the young guys, the the um, six guys that are 24 and under for the Cavs, I don't anticipate any of those guys moving for like a Karis LeVert. I, I would be very, very surprised if any of those guys were traded because I just don't think that there's a player out there on the market that is available that justifies giving up on the upside that they have, which is something that we've talked about on the podcast. And it's probably my bias bleeding into this as well a little bit because you know I'm I'm an optimist. I I I want whatever my analysis is and and my read on the team to be right and to that to be what's going on and whatnot. But to to hear from Zach Lowe where they're not going to get reckless. Uh, and, and, you know, really give away future flexibility for someone that's just strictly about winning this year, right? So I I think I I felt a little bit more comfortable having heard that.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. I think that Kobe knows he's got something special going on here, but, like, I do like the the fact that there is no Laurel resting. It's, hey, we know this team is, you know, a piece or two away from making legitimate noise, Mm -hmm. like, you know, Eastern Conference contender noise. Um, and, you know, we, we saw a team like Boston who thought they were closer than they were, uh, have a couple bad breaks and then all of a sudden they're a a pretty joyless bunch. Yeah. Um, you know, so, and and also a team that hang hung on to all of their picks,
0: right. Where it's, you know, being maybe a little too stingy and yeah, we can, we, yeah, we have three, four picks in this draft we can just draft guys and hopefully develop all of them. That's not the case. Like guys like grand Williams, semi old like all, all these guys,
1: it, it just didn't pan out for them. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's, I think they're approaching this the correct way. We're seven days from the deadline. Guys are so close. Yeah. Uh, and I think I, and I, I will want to say fast this. forward. I really want to uh, fast forward. I want to know what happens. It's important to say this, in my opinion, i don't think any deals are happening until very close
0: oh yeah no I, I,
1: i think this is one of those this is the Cavs are in a weird spot where they're not offering a lot of like slam dunk deals and they're certainly not just looking to be the other side of the deal where they're just taking on you know value for contracts these are deals where the Cavs are saying okay so you think you should get a first and not the houston second uh for for eric gordon or or whoever it is i'm just pulling a fake trade out of a hat uh if you can beat it good for you Mm -hmm. but if it's the best offer that that you have at the end of the day uh, give us a call you know and a lot of that is the cavs betting that their assets are going to be the best ones on the market for some of these players
0: Yeah, and I I think it's important. I'm I'm going to take a little page out of John Michael's book, which one of the things I love that he does in the broadcast is, you know, break things down for people that might be new to the NBA, that might be like investing in the cast for the first time. This is normally how it goes with a trade deadline. Uh, Teams don't make a deal really a a week out from the deadline because teams are still you know they're they're working to get leverage the the asking price is usually higher than it is on deadline day and to get a deal done for the same player today may cost an extra first round pick compared to what the price is in a week from now uh evan fournier Uh, last year they, the Orlando was holding out for a first round pick, holding out for a first round pick. They're not going to move them for less than a first round pick. Moved them for a second. Uh, same thing happened with Oladipo and Houston last year. They weren't going to move them. If it wasn't for a first round pick, they got a pick swap out of it. Like it's, you know, teams do come down on that asking price. So right now it's, it's game theory. It's leveraging it's leaking stuff to agents and whatnot. And I admit
1: something to you, Justin. Go ahead. I don't know what game theory means. I just use it like as a total, like whatever context I need it to be. Play the man, Carter. Play
0: the man. <laughs> um, let's let's get back to the questions because we still have a lot of good ones here. Uh, Braun Jetty asks, our, our buddy from Brazil, I feel like when teams switch Garland in the pick and roll specifically late in games, he can't yet consistently beat his man and it causes problems for the Cavs. I'm a little concerned about this come playoff time. How do you guys feel about this?
1: I feel like this only matters against the very, very best defenses in the league. That's where we see it hurt the most, like the Warriors, like the Bucks. Um, and you know what? Yeah, they're probably not going to beat those teams. <laughs> uh, you know, like so, like yeah, I guess it's a concern. I think most teams don't really actually have the personnel to do this to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it. And we talked about it after the Warriors game. This is uh, one of the things on his list that he's going to have to get better at. Is is when they just switch a big athletic wing onto him. Like, how does he still generate an advantage and see through the trees? He's a small guy. Mm-hmm. Some yeah. of this is going to come with lineup construction, um, getting all the way healthy, getting more playmakers who allow him to operate off ball, um, and kind of flummox the defense that way. Some of it's Evan Mobley getting better as a, as a screener and a slipper to break to to mess up those switches. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's all it's all the above. Yeah, it's probably gonna be a problem. I'm not worried about it because it's like I just know it's a problem. Um, but I don't think it's a major one that like significantly limits their floor. I think it limits their ceiling against yeah. the best teams in the league, who yeah, I already and don't and think they can beat. That-
0: It's something that you see with small guards around the NBA, right? Like even Steph Curry right now is a bit different when Draymond Green isn't out there, you know, as that front court playmaker and whatnot. Like you can trap smaller guards and you can disrupt them in the playoffs. That was part of why Atlanta went out and made some adjustments to bring in additional ball handlers so it's not all on Trey Young. Damian Lillard was inefficient in the playoffs for the first few years of his career uh, for reasons like this, right? And in a lot of ways, it's kind of like trying to have an effective run game when you aren't a threat in the passing game in football, right? Like, what this probably requires is, okay, Garland needs to recognize when those traps are coming up and hit Mobley as the outlet. You probably, from a personnel standpoint, want to have at least one or two other players that can initiate offense, that can dribble, so that defenses can't commit in that way with Garland. And I, I think that's why that relocation game that he has developed, the, the off-ball skills that he's working on, are so important for kind of increasing the ceiling with this team long term because yeah if garland is the only guy that can dribble as a small guard teams are going to be able to take that away in the postseason if they have the personnel which the best teams usually do this isn't like lebron where there's just really not an answer for it because he he's 6'9 285 pounds and, and the the best passer that we've ever seen right this is the realities of building around a small garden and for me with garland like I don't necessarily think that he has to be the leading scorer of the final version of this team when, when they reach their peaks and whatnot to me, he's just, he's a floor general, right? Like he's going to go out there and he's going to create for other guys. This is a real share the wealth type team where Uh, Whoever has the best matchup, whoever has it going, they go to them, right? That's why they've had so many players score 20 points in a game this season, along with the injury. So uh, to me, it's not necessarily a concern. It's something that I understand can and will happen if there isn't changes to the roster. But, you know, like if he were to go to the postseason and what defenses do to him, limits his effectiveness and the Cavs come up short this year that's a learning experience that that is something that he's going to need to learn counters to that he's going to need to find out ways to to become a more effective player and reality is like we are still at that part of the process as far ahead of schedule as they are
1: there is still steps that need to be taken with this team totally agree justin uh let's go to Cavs for mvp how many years will it take for Mobley to reach his full potential with Allen and Garland? Five. I, I think,
0: I think, and, and this counts for Garland and, and Allen as well. As good as they are at this age, players usually start to have their physical prime, start to understand the game at a higher level, and, and all that sort of stuff around 26 years old. And as much as we are accelerating the process, as, as much as these guys are very much competitive at this stage reality is it's probably going to be five years away uh, when evan mobley is like at the peak of his powers and the, that- the,
1: the great stat is like in nba history nobody has ever won a title for their team as the primary guy before they were 26. Mm-hmm. it's just and- like i don't care if you came straight to the nba out of high school i don't care if you came from europe it just it doesn't matter 26 is the golden age. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, Darius won't be in his prime till he's 26. Jarrett won't be in his prime till he's 26. Evan won't be in his prime till he's 26. So that's the age. Um and does, that's does the age that impact
0: that, how, how you would approach a trade deadline, like going on and getting another young guy that fits with the core? Like giving up future assets when when we do feel that they are that far away from their peaks?
1: No. No, I don't think so. Um, you know, I mean, Jared's not that far away. Darius is 22. I mean, you know, and like I still don't think it's a perfect hard and fast rule. I mean, it is kind of, but like, you know, if they're all 25 and young, all, young teams aren't typically good at defense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, there are always exceptions. And I, I st- still think you have to read the the team that you have, mm-hmm. you know, and like, and, and, and the landscape that you have. So I think that's when it'll be i think that's when they'll be their best but that doesn't mean that's not They they, they won't be really really damn good just because they're 24.
0: but like okay so you making the finals right like let's let's make some runs and if you need to consolidate assets if you need to make additional steps or even if it's just finding out what internal improvement needs to occur still at that point point, Let's let's go for it. Make sure that they, they have the, the bullets in, in in the chamber to, to go out there and, and make it a fair fight. Uh, I want to give a sh- shout out, Carter, because we got a new follower today and they asked a question. So new pod follower beef lover asks after a poor three point. <laughs> I love reading Twitter handles, man. It's the best. After a poor three point shooting uh, night from Kevin Love, do you think this shows a more urgent need for perimeter shooting depth? If so, Do you think we need to make a move before the trade deadline?
1: I'll I'll say this. If Kevin and Jetty ain't hitting, then all of a sudden it starts to look a little dire. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, sure. Like, God, just watching Garrison Matthews, who didn't even have that good of a shooting night, just a dude who every time he touched the ball was like, ah, crap, get him! Um, You know, uh, like that kind of threat. I mean, there's a reason that a guy like Buddy Heald has been so appealing to Justin I, is because it's just a dude with no conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, that is so like I don't think like Love's bad shooting night exacerbates the need. It's just like I think it's always been there. Um, it it shows there. how
0: dependent it is, right? Like it, especially yeah. the two best shooters on this team, probably Garland Lowry. Like I, I, I actually, you know Kevin's what? Love Love has Lowry. Love Kevin's Love has been better than, than Lowry. Lowry love has been like baron lowry but you know like the, they're in the mix right and dylan windler might be in that conversation if he took more threes like the, yeah, the talent's not, not there. at not at three
1: threes per 36 or whatever he's taking you know yeah
0: yeah so it's you know the part of that is okay degree of difficulty on three-point shots willingness to take three-point shots all that goes into that sort of conversation but yeah when you're missing those guys and then kevin love is off from three that's a really, really tough position to be in. So yeah, uh, I think that one's an easy one. Yeah, yeah. they could use more shooting. We, and, and, and I do think they are going to make a move. I, I, I would be very, very surprised if there isn't at least one or two new players on the team after the trade deadline.
1: I think that I would I'm almost at the point now where I would be a little disappointed if it's not two dudes added to the rotation.
0: Yeah, me, me too. And um, you would hope that they play, right? And that it gets a fresher version of everybody else on the team. So uh that probably uh, leads into Jake's question here, which what is the best case trade haul for Rubio in a first?
1: I think it's a buddy heel type player. I think that would be a, a slightly optimistic outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, if if they really want off the money and they decide they just blow it up or change kind of what they're doing and say, Hey, we're just going to be a Davion Mitchell Tyrese Halliburton team now. Yep. Uh, and buddy, God love you, buddy. But you, you shoot 500 threes a game kind of take us out of our, you know, what, what take us out of revolving things around those guys. And we just want the cat relief. I think yep. that is the outcome where you go, okay, yeah, you can, you might be able to get a player like that. I don't think you need anyone better. Um, maybe Karis. Levert but Caris's is mine mind is it mine it seems because, like the price is higher for him and maybe that's just posturing though
0: right and if it comes down from two first to a first at the trade deadline that to me would would be the best case scenario because to me I think dribbling is more important than shooting with the Cavs I think you need creation and we saw that with Ricky Rubio like um Zach Lowe I like buddy that's why I like uh, Eric Gordon because those dudes can do a little bit of both Gordon Gordon's a great one as well I I just think Laverde is a little more dynamic and I know smart well, pe- can't shoot ah, he can though like he he can shoot like here's the way to look at it in my opinion Carter look at what Ricky Rubio did despite not shooting well
1: that's from three, a great take I've been uh, you talked me out of it in one sentence there you go
0: yeah like he he is a more efficient version of what Ricky is doing and as I said he kind of splits the difference between what you're missing from Ricky and what you're missing from Colin you just need someone to compromise the defense right to, to get them to react to be able to create off the dribble and to me Karis liver is attractive and we should probably mention Uh, Cavs have been granted a disabled player exception uh, for Colin Sexton. This doesn't mean that Sexton can't return this season, but it does give them a, I think, $3.17 million exception, which I I looked around the league, and my favorite target that fits into that one is Nick Batum. He'd be great if if the Clippers are are looking to shed some salary. Um, that, That would be my take there, but you know, uh, those players actually need to become available. And so far there's been no real indication uh, that Batum is uh, in, at least in the reporting I've read. Um, but that ties into Mark's question, which is, do we think Sexton will play this year? And does that change the trade approach or should we go out and get a Gordon type,
1: no matter what happens with Sexton? I just can't imagine his agent would be uh, advise that, you know, coming, coming off a, off a major injury. Um into a playoff environment for the first time in his career. I mean, do I want to see him get a chance to lay some up? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't. I would be surprised. Um, no, I don't think it should impact any trade decisions they make. Um, at all. I, mm-hmm. I, because I, I don't see them like. I feel like everyone who throws Colin Sexton as a potential trade. Option at, in the national media right now when they talk about the cabs, they do it with such half-hearted, Like, yeah, and they they could they could trade Sexton. Like, I think did, everyone did you, knows. Did you that... hear the the dunked on one? Oh God, yeah, the the fake the the Pelton stuff. Yeah,
0: Pel- Pelton oh, said God. for Alec Burks, and then he's it, like, ah, like, is that worth it?" And like, even Nate Duncan was like, "You're being ridiculous right now." <laughs> I
1: I was tempted to to get Cavs Twitter to go yell at him. Um, <laughs> but I decided, I decided that was inappropriate behavior. Um, I, I just think like, I think everyone knows that even if the Cavs were to, 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 to deal a guy like Colin Sexton, the best value they're going to get is probably a sign in trade uh, in the off season. Um, I, I just like, I I have I a hard time coming back. I, just, I have a hard time visualizing
0: any trade being possible that brings in an upside that's even close. Well, to what you know, if Sexton. they can
1: get Alec Burks, Justin, they got, oh. they got, they can't, they can't, they can't pass on that. I, I, I did mean, love aside, Alec
0: Burks. Don't get me wrong,
1: Alec Burks was a great Cavalier. I don't that, love that him for good. Colin Sexton. Yeah, uh, I'll just resign <laughs> the guy. Thanks. Right. Um, uh So yeah, I, I mean, I just yeah, I don't see that a player that you know, is worth Colin Sexton becoming available that the Cavs would be willing to even discuss it. So, yeah, it feels like Rubio when a first is the most the Cavs are probably going to give up. Yeah. Um Maybe, at, maybe at one the of the line. second round picks if it's to absorb yeah. a player into if the DBA. they're really getting ambitious. Yeah.
0: Yeah. and, and uh, to, to, In a single answer,
1: trade. Yeah, I, I think it's a first in Rubio. Yeah.
0: And... Well, I, I guess if you're getting two players in a Rubio trade, maybe you, you would go that route or you'd add multiple picks. Who knows, better, right? Better, better be good players. Yeah, it, it's very possible. Um, but to answer Mark's question, I don't think Sexton's going to play this year. Uh, no, I, I don't like think that. Th- I don't even know if that's going to be a physical possibility, because you look at these meniscus injuries. And even when Darius had his surgery, there was a cleanup procedure. Right. And. Uh, Like, Chris Fedor, when he talked to Colin Sexton, and you guys can check that out on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast, he uh, posted the audio from the interview with Colin Sexton. He mentioned after that he doesn't think that Sexton's going to play when he talks to people around the Cavs organization. Uh, Nobody has even, like, considered it as a possibility. Uh, Colin is a monster. I'm sure he is murdering his rehab and whatnot. Um, But just realistically, like, I, I just i can't see it as much as i would love to have colin sexton come back and that would just like be the cherry on top of an amazing season i don't think it's a realistic possibility and even if we knew that he was coming back it wouldn't change my deadline approach because i I think there is a fatigue factor uh by not having multiple ball handlers out there and if you are bringing in an eric gordon or a karis LeVert type they can occupy that Ricky Rubio role that you had at the start of the season because they were playing with Garland, with Sexton, with uh, Rubio, right? Um, I I think people kind of reduce the three big lineup to a caricature because when when we don't really understand coaching, it's easier to turn coaching into a meme. And JB's just obsessed with playing three seven-footers. He played Garland, Sexton, and Rubio together, right? Like, it's about getting talent on the floor. And I would not... Let a potential sex in return, even if I knew it was a guarantee, impact my willingness to go out there and replace Rubio, because that's what this really is about, in my opinion. Totally. Totally agree, man. Brass Knuckle Billy, speaking of Twitter handles, asks, would it be a net positive or a net negative to cut
1: Pangos and sign Quinn Cook? Negative! Don't Negative. do that. That's yeah. that's dumb. You don't cut your thirteenth man with guaranteed money to uh, to sign a new thirteenth man with guaranteed money. It doesn't make sense. I think we can move right on past this one. Yeah, I, I think if
0: you want to clear up a roster space, you could you add that to any potential trade. Yeah, but you'll do it in a deal. What yeah. is Quinn Cook or a player of that ilk bringing that Brandon Goodwin isn't bringing right now? I, I would. No. I'd rather give those opportunities to Goodwin. No, doesn't make sense. Jerk voice asks. If we trust Rondo or Goodwin with a backup point guard rule.
1: uh, Yes. Whoever, if Rondo's got it on a certain night, uh, sure, he's the guy. If he doesn't, then, uh, you know, Goodwin, Goodwin will have to eat those minutes.
0: I don't trust them necessarily as backup point guards. I would trust them more if you brought in an Eric Gordon or a Karis LeVert type that brings in kind of that secondary creation and they are playing alongside one of those. If you're talking about just flat out one of these guys is the backup point guard for the rest of the season, that's not a situation I I would be comfortable with. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean you need to bring in another backup point guard, um, but you do need to bring in creation because um, at the end of the day, positions don't really matter. Skill sets matter more than positions. uh, I think the Cavs are the ultimate testament to that. Um, So I I definitely think they could fill the need if there was more creation brought in, uh, but just in a vacuum. No, I I wouldn't feel great about that. VJ asks, final question, Carter. Would we be interested in making a swing for Bradley Beale? Sure,
1: probably can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, ugh, not Aren't giving he... up any of the core, so no, it's probably not going to work. I,
0: I mean, no, would and you also be also? He's older.
1: Also, he's older. Like, I'm not. It just doesn't make sense. He's not on the right timeline.
0: Yeah, you're not giving up any of the big three. Twenty eight years old. You're probably still getting a bunch of good years out of him, but at the same time, when you're talking about Someone
1: else Garland. is going to beat this offer.
0: Someone's going to beat the offer. Like, I I, I feel like Ben Simmons w- would be a great fit there uh, for a swap. Um, yeah, it, it just, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And especially when we've already kind of conceded that, hey, these guys are probably going to peak at 26. Um, Beal's 33 at that point. And, and yes, Kyle Lowry's really good still at 36. And, and guys are, are showing more longevity than ever. I, I'd be interested in a swing, but, you know, I, I just don't, Foresee that being a realistic. I would rather
1: I would rather spend big assets on Brandon Ingram than Bradley Beal, which yeah. is and that and which or Dejounte Murray, who yeah, who is also kind of an better better than those guys, but it's just you know sometimes you got to think about timeline. Justin, my daughter's losing her mind, and it's bedtime. We got to wrap, brother. All
0: right. Well, I'm going to go lose my mind about Darius Garland making the All Star team. Jared Allen, I am begging you, Adam Silver, you got to replace. Kevin Durant with Jared Allen. Get it done. Get it done. That Let's honor Cleveland. Happen. Cal's got to have two all-stars, one way or another. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, But massive thank you to everyone that submitted questions. Uh, I'm happy that we were able to get through our list. It's a lot of fun to be able to do these. We should do them more. I feel that way every single time we do these. I love firing off takes. Really, really appreciate all the support. You guys were awesome uh, with the last week of podcasts that we had uh, with Serena Winders, Channing Frye, Martin Rickman. Uh, You guys have been amazing. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, If you're watching live on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe. Click the notification bell. If you're listening via podcast, leave us a rating, leave a review, subscribe. Unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However, you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. Until next time, yo, cats.